What is going on, everyone? Welcome into a new episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, and I am joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, the week is here. I am nervous. I'm scared. AF, as the kids like to say. And uh, Ohio State plays Michigan here in a couple of days, and I couldn't feel more afraid and terrified. Yeah, Ohio State unfortunately does play Michigan in a couple days. This is a game that, I mean, obviously with Ohio State and Michigan, you think about it all season, but this is a game that we've really been looking ahead to for um, quite a few weeks now because Ohio State has not been playing the highest level of opponents, and they've still been struggling against them, of course, but um, yeah, it's it's Michigan week, and that's a, that's a big deal, and I think that we are we're kind of on the same page with how we how we feel about how this game might go, and um, we'll, we'll certainly break that down into into detail here. But I, I think that um, I think nervous is is the best way to describe how I'm feeling as well. Is this the least confident you've been heading into a Michigan game that you can remember? I'm never particularly confident heading into a Michigan game. Just I, I don't even know why, because for most of my life, Ohio State has really kind of owned the Michigan series, but um, probably. I, I was pretty nervous in 2016, but I went to that game, so I'm, I'm always pretty nervous when I'm going to an Ohio State game, but I, I think in terms of actual matchups, yeah, this is this is the, the worst it's been for Ohio State in, in quite some time. This is the only one I can think of in a really long time where I have just tried to stay as far away from any sort of analysis as possible like I'm just not getting myself amped up for this one until like 10 minutes before <laughs> kickoff because it's just it's too much in the way that the season has unfolded for both teams I, I would feel and I think we're going to play this out here as we talk about this game those nerves would heighten even more I can remember that before the 2015 game that was probably the last time where I felt like oh man they're going to lose because that was coming right off the Michigan State fiasco and you know, they turn around and they blow them out. I don't think that'll happen here, but that's the only other time I can really remember feeling like, oh God, I don't even want to look at anything before this game. Let's just let it happen and get those four hours out of the way. Thank God this one's an early start. Yeah, I will say, I, I said earlier that I, I feel nervous. I'm not even sure if that's the best way to describe it because I, I'm kind of not out on Ohio State this year. I obviously still like Ohio State enough to write about them consistently. But I, I don't know. I know Ohio State's not winning the championship this year. Um, I don't think they're making the playoff even if they win out, which is probably correct because they're just not that good. And so it, it's not – the stakes are – their stakes are certainly high. Ohio State and Michigan are both in the top ten, and that's – I mean, it's happened plenty, but it's still a pretty rare thing, and it's a big deal. But, like, it's less of a – you know, Ohio State not being the favorite takes some pressure off, and the fact that I really don't expect all that much from Ohio State in this game, I think makes it a little bit easier. What's so intriguing to me about this game is, yeah, it's it's a top 10 game. Michigan is fourth in the playoff rankings right now. Ohio State is on the outside looking in, but this feels to me like the most neither team can afford to lose game in a really long time between the two and we saw in 2016 that was a huge game they were playoff implications you know there was there was a lot that went into that Michigan had gotten blown out the year before and Harbaugh was looking to rebound and we know how that game played out spot was good of course but <laughs> this one like for both teams and in particular like it, it's an easy talking point and it's going to be the point that I'm sure everybody has talked about before this and leading up to it on Saturday is both coaches like this is going to be ugly for whoever loses this one because for Meyer it will be okay is it time to retire has he lost his edge is Ohio State going to fall behind Michigan here what's the next move for Ohio State after this very tumultuous season on and off the field and what are they going to do going forward and for Michigan this is their best team under Harbaugh. It's been, what, four years now? Five years almost? And if they don't win now, when are they going to win? You know, this would seem to play up, even though it's a road game, that this is a game that Michigan and Jim Harbaugh really can't afford to lose given the circumstances. So for both coaches, even if 
for Ohio State, a playoff isn't on the line. Being able to knock Michigan out of the playoff, I think, is just about as sweet. Yeah, for sure. And the the Harbaugh thing, I think, is um, something that's certainly in the back of his mind. I'm sure it's in the back of the players' minds because they got the the Michigan State monkey off their back earlier this season. They had beaten Michigan State before, but that was another rivalry game that he was kind of struggling with at Michigan, and he has not yet beaten Ohio State. And there are certainly questions every time that Michigan loses to Ohio State under Harbaugh about if he can do it. Um, so I, I feel that the the pressure probably is really high on Michigan to win this game, especially because they're the favorite. They're a road favorite, which is pretty rare against Ohio State. And like you said, they're playing for a playoff spot. They're they're playing because I mean, they could certainly lose to Northwestern. They almost did earlier in the year, but I I don't really see it. And I think if Michigan wins out, they will be in. And so that's that's kind of a new position for them certainly in 2016 they were in a a similar spot but so was Ohio State and this year Ohio State I I think could be kind of not playing with house money but essentially they Ohio State doesn't have a ton to lose in this situation I I think and this is not me reporting this or anything but I am of the opinion that Urban Meyer is going to be retiring at the end of the season that's just where I'm at right now what I'm thinking but um, Ohio State's not, I mean, Ohio State's not a playoff team right now, and Ohio State has struggled all year, and I would really love to see them play like a team that doesn't have anything to lose. Um, I, I don't imagine that they will. They really haven't done that since 2014 when they had the playoff run was, I think, the last time Ohio State played loose, and it would be great to see that again. I, I think that they, there is the potential that they do that. I, I'm not expecting that by any means. But it's kind of a strange dynamic. It's a dynamic that we really haven't seen in Ohio State, Michigan, really since maybe 2011, when Ohio State was just trash, <laughs> and and Michigan got one in with um with Brady Hoke and probably his his best team. Or, um, but it, it's really it's something that Ohio State has not gotten to do against Michigan a lot. Try to play spoiler, and I, I would like to see them, you know, go all out to do that. To be honest, the most hilarious timeline probably is Jim Harbaugh finally beating Ohio State and then losing to Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship and missing out on the playoff. (laughs) I I can't say that would be the worst thing in the world, but you're right. It does feel like they have a little bit of house money here, and you know that there's extra energy for this game, and you would like to say, hey, they're going to play not to lose. They're going to bring all this extra energy and be able to channel that into playing loose. But for the most part, what we've seen in the Meyer era, especially lately, is that in these big games, that's when things tend to get tight. So that's what history would tell us. But obviously, we hope that it goes a different way. It's hard to see how they do, given how the whole season has played out. But that's just more, I guess, the the off-field stuff about this game that's super intriguing. And that's why this is such a big game even if Ohio State doesn't make the playoff this is this is just a massive game moving to just the on the field X's and O's stuff uh, Michigan's coaches have been able to game plan all week for this Ohio State defense and that terrifies me Patrick it, it, it worries me yeah that's horrible that's not going to be good <laughs> and with what they like to do with motion and moving guys around and play action bootlegs stuff like that We saw against Maryland, and you wrote about it pretty extensively, that Ohio State maybe adjusts one time, but there are no adjustments to the adjustments, and that is probably going to be the key to the game for this Ohio State defense. I don't feel confident that they can. It's just a matter of how well Michigan's coaches game plan, I think. Yeah, and the the matchups in this game are not super encouraging um our uh one of our, our co-workers chad who's our he's our stats guy wrote a really good advanced stats preview of the game and there's um there's great like stats radar in there that kind of shows the the comparisons of ohio state's defense against michigan's offense and vice versa and essentially the the issue is it's not as much like a purdue situation where purdue is extremely good what ohio state is is bad at and not as good at everything else. The The difference here is that Ohio State's defense is bad at most things, and Michigan's offense is good at most things. Michigan's offense has become one of the best passing teams in the country, which is kind of surprising. I, 
I knew Shea Patterson was good from his time at Ole Miss, but I didn't think he would be this good. He's he's really a perfect fit for that offense, and their passing attack is rolling right now, and I think a lot of that is due to the fact that their offensive line is really good. So credit to Ed Warner there. I think Ed Warner's a, a really good line coach and not a good offensive coordinator. But the the issues are not as much that, that Michigan can take a ton of advantage of what Ohio State doesn't do well. Michigan's not the most explosive offense in the world. Um, the rushing attack is, is pretty good and can create big plays as the passing attack can, but it's not really their thing. They're, they're mostly efficiency-driven, which Ohio State's actually a little bit better at defensively. And I, I think that the the main thing for Ohio State is that efficiency. It's it's not letting Michigan get five yards every single play. It's making Michigan have third and long situations. It's keeping them behind schedule. And that's certainly easier said than done against this offense. But I do think that Ohio State's defense at least has a better chance in this game to to slow Michigan down than they did against Purdue, which sounds wild or against Maryland just because those two teams are both in the top 10 in terms of explosive plays and Ohio State just cannot deal with with big plays and I I do think Michigan will create some but there will probably not be as many as there were against Maryland and that's probably the best possible news for Ohio State's defense. That's probably the main takeaway here is that Michigan's offense does everything just well enough that if they're able to get rolling and like you said get four five-yard chunks every single play, then unless Ohio State is forcing turnovers, which I don't feel like they've been great at this season, if they're not doing that, then it might be a game where Michigan controls the ball for like 32, 35, 38 minutes and just kind of grind. They just kind of grind away and keep Ohio State's offense off the field, keep them from really slinging around a lot. And we've seen them be efficient all season long, and that's where just making one or two plays comes in handy. We've talked a lot about Draymond Jones. He's a guy that's made a couple of game-changing plays this season. Chase Young, they're going to need some productive performances from those type of guys to make plays. I think when it comes to the defense, the thing that I'm most worried about, even though this Michigan offense isn't, like you said, one of like Purdue or Maryland that generates and thrives in creating those big plays, is the linebackers. Because what Michigan's coaches love to do in, in scheming and moving guys around. There's going to be some open holes here <laughs> in that linebacker core, and I think the defensive line can be able to mitigate that a little bit and clog things up, but if they don't completely do it, I don't know how much faith I have in the linebackers being able to read exactly where a play is going, being able to determine whether the ball comes after the fullback or if the fullback's just a decoy, because Michigan does a lot of you know, window dressing, and, and they do it in a very old-school way. And this is something that the linebackers haven't been great in, is identifying where the ball carrier is or, or identifying even where the play is going. And that may be a, a, a massive, massive concern. Yeah, I have um, I have deeply concerning news when it comes to Michigan's uh, receivers and who's pit, who's putting up numbers for Michigan and the the passing game and what that means for Ohio State. Um, so Michigan's number one receiver, Donovan Peoples Jones, is six foot two. Um, Zach Gentry, their their tight end, he he has thirty catches on the year, pretty good catch rate. He's six foot eight. Um, and Ohio State has three bad linebackers, <laughs> and those guys are going to be the ones tasked with covering Zach Gentry, which is not good. It's not good to me <laughs> that that is the case because um, we've seen plenty of uh, Pete Warner in man coverage this season. We've seen plenty of Malik Harrison and Tough Borland in coverage this year. And no matter how much Ohio State tries to make it seem like they're good, they're not good. <laughs> they're not good at man coverage. And Zach Gentry is really good at playing tight end, and uh, Nico Collins is really good at playing wide receiver, and, and Michigan has some dudes out there who can make plays. And um, we we mentioned after the Michigan State game that there were a lot of times where Michigan State had a guy open underneath, and their quarterback just isn't good enough to hit a slant. Uh, Shea Patterson's good enough to hit a slant. Yeah. He, he's good enough to hit a slant for the entire game if Ohio State wants to give that to him. And I think that might just be what Michigan does because um, 
Ohio State can't cover slants. They they don't know how to play a zone. And that's pretty much your answer to slants is, is playing a zone, having a, a linebacker drop in the middle of the field. And I, I don't think that they're going to do that, which is um, not great for Ohio State. The, the outlook on Ohio State's defense against Michigan's um, mostly underneath in the middle of the field passing attack is not um not great and that that's something that ohio state has been killed by for i mean like three seasons now it was going back to like the oklahoma game last season the iowa game last season even like clemson in 2016 where um those teams knew that ohio state was pretty strong on the outside and i don't think ohio state actually is all that strong on the outside this year but they also knew that Ohio State is very weak in the middle of the field, and that's still true. And I think Michigan can really take advantage of that. It's funny that you brought up the outside because as you were talking about that, I thought, yeah, the middle of the field's going to be a real big problem. And then I thought... But at least we have Damon Arnett and Kendall Sheffield. <laughs> well, the outside's probably going to be a big problem too. So yeah. maybe maybe Michigan's <laughs> coaches will be like, man, we can beat these guys anywhere, and then they just won't know what to do. They'll just be like, there, there's too many ways yeah. we can attack. We don't, we don't know what to do. How do we attack these guys? They're weak everywhere. And that goes back to, I think, the line. The, the line has to do what I think it's done for the better part of two seasons and be able to create pressure, force fumbles, get sacks, get offenses off of schedule, and just generally cause havoc. And Michigan's line has been pretty good this season, and Ned Warner has done a nice job like you referenced. But I think if Ohio State's defense is going to have any sort of good day, then it all kind of stems along the line and those guys being able to create pressure and force Michigan into unfavorable situations. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that the issue with that, because I do agree that this line could create havoc and we'll probably need to. I do think that the issue with that is that Michigan throws the ball really quickly. <laughs> Michigan is like, that's that's kind of their whole thing is that they do pre-play motion and then... Shea Patterson's supposed to get the ball out within about two seconds. I don't have the exact numbers on how quickly he's throwing, but just on film, he he gets the ball out quick and he's making reads quick, and that's that's kind of their whole offense. And that's something that teams have done to Ohio State all season long. And it's um, I, I'm not I'm not super sure that this defensive line is going to have too much of a chance. Maybe. Um, focusing on instead of trying to get sacks, jumping up and trying to knock balls down at the line would be a good idea. Um, I know that that's something that they used to teach. I, I don't know if they still do. That was a big thing in uh, like 2014. Everybody was talking about how Ohio State's defensive line doesn't get a ton of sacks, but they do get a lot of deflections at the line. And we haven't seen that a ton recently. We we saw Malik Harrison have a couple over the last few weeks or so Draymond Jones yeah Draymond Jones is good at it too but um I'm not sure if Bob Landers is, is big enough to do that he's he's kind of on the shorter side so um maybe somebody like Haskell Garrett will get in there um I would love to see some Antoine Jackson who I don't think we've actually seen at all this year the the Juco transfer former Auburn player um I think he's good <laughs> and he's he's really big so I'm not I'm not super sure why we haven't seen him but there's a lot of good players we haven't seen this year Patrick yeah <laughs> yeah uh boy the the pretty much the whole 2017 and 2018 classes just kind of hanging out um but it, it would be it would be a nice adjustment to see them try to do that because I don't think that they're going to be able to get to Shea Patterson um but I think the passing game might just be a loss for Ohio State and they'll need to try and focus on forcing the occasional turnover um, but I, I really don't think that Ohio State's going to be able to stop Michigan's passing attack too much. All right let's move away from Michigan's offense and worrying about it and move to what might be by any measure the best or second best defense in the country and yeah. talk about how Ohio State <laughs> matches up with them. Where do you think it starts for the Ohio State offense because for me there's an over under of rushing yards of like if they get a certain amount I would feel pretty comfortable that if Ohio State isn't only in the game they've won the game and for me that's around like 220 rushing yards whether it's Mike Weber J.K. Dobbins that feels to me that if they want to win this game 200 220 they are going to have to put up a big day running 
I'm not saying I think they can do it because I don't think they can. Yeah. But that's <laughs> that's what they're going to have to. They're not going to win this game. I think putting up 150 rushing yards. And I know Bill uh, wrote about this, and and we can link to it in the piece about how it, it would maybe be a good strategy for Ohio State, not really to follow what they did against Purdue and and throw the ball 70 times. And I think that there's a lot to that because I, I think that that's obviously the strong point of Ohio State's offense. But this offense has been at its best and its most consistent when they're able to run the ball. And I feel like that's what they're going to have to do if they want to win. Yeah. Um, our friend Richard Johnson at, at SBNation.com wrote um, about Ohio State's offense against Michigan's defense today. And I, I think that it got a, a retweet on the, the main land grant account. So people can go read that if they, they want to. They should. It's a good piece. But um, he basically wrote about the matchup that Ohio State could take advantage of offensively, which there are not many of. Um, Michigan's defense, like you mentioned, very good against the run, very good against the pass, very good defensive line, even without Chase Winovich, who I I don't think will be playing. I haven't seen anything on that, but just seeing the injury, I I can't imagine that he'll be playing. Um, But basically what Richard said is that Ohio State might have to do what they did against Penn State, which was um, all screens and... That's, I mean, that's what worked against Penn State. It, it won them that game in the fourth quarter was pretty much just throwing screens and then the one downfield pass to Benjamin Victor. And, well, that's really ugly to watch. It's, it's bad football to watch an all-screens offense. Um, I don't think Dwayne Haskins can handle pressure all that well, and Michigan can get a lot of that going. <laughs> they're, they're really good at blitzing, and Don Brown is, I mean, he's a genius. He's a very, very good defensive coordinator, and I, I think that he can scheme up some really tough to read blitzes for a young quarterback. And um, I, I think that the the screens might be Ohio State's best bet because Michigan has struggled with those in the past. They struggled against uh, Rutgers calling a bunch of screens, and Rutgers isn't all that good at football. Um, so I, I think if Ohio State can get their athletes in space and um, maybe put Demario McCall out there, get K.J. Hill out there, Paris Campbell, some of the faster receivers on the team, um, and get them the ball just on the edge and, and hope that their receivers can block. That might be as viable an offensive game plan as any. Um, I'm, I'm still not sure if I'm in love with that strategy, but it, it really does feel like Ohio State's best bet. And you, you mentioned the running game needing to be good, and I, I do I think that that is important. I don't think Ohio State can throw 73 times and win this game. I mean, they didn't last time against a worse defense, but... Um, I think my confidence level in this rushing attack being good against Michigan's defense is, I mean, it's a zero. I I really, I I don't think that Ohio State's going to be able to run the ball in this game. I I think that the the past couple of of weeks of Ohio State being able to run the football was not necessarily a fluke, but more of a result of the teams they were playing against. And um, Michigan has a top 10 rush defense. They're really good against efficient rushing attacks. They're their 10th. And in rushing marginal efficiency. And that's pretty much all Ohio State does on the ground is they, they pick up five, six yards. And um, I'm not sure Michigan's going to let them do that consistently. I think Michigan will get in the backfield enough to make it not super viable to, to be running on what are traditionally standard running downs. And um, that could be a lot of trouble for, for Ohio State. And I know I'm not offering a ton of solutions here, but the, the truth of the, the situation is that Michigan's defense is really good and Ohio State's offense is not really good against good defenses. Counterpoint, an all-screens offense to J.K. Dobbins and Demario McCall is actually <laughs> super good football. I am, I'm here for that. And honestly, we saw it late in the Penn State game. We saw it, I think, a little bit in TCU. It really is weird that they don't throw the ball more to J.K. Dobbins because it's an extension of the run game and he can create so much on his own that if he has a little bit of space to work with, that's where I think he's at his most explosive and he's going to have to do a lot running the ball and and making his own lanes. And I I think he can do that reasonably well, but if they're able to get him the ball in space, I think that's where they have their best chance. And Demario McCall stepped up and showed his worth last week. So I would really like to see a little bit more of him in the screen game and in the passing game, whether it's jet sweeps, whatever it may be, let's get that guy, the ball and they're going to need to make big plays, whatever it is on the ground or through the air to be able to consistently move the ball and score points because I, I, I don't think that this is 
uh, Michigan defense that you want to try to score a touchdown on with an 11 play drive. I don't think that that is your best bet. And what I think we may see in this game is uh, another quarterback package with little used fifth year senior quarterback BT Jarrett. Like, what, would you would you be surprised if the announcers are just like, "Wow, what's number 16 doing coming <laughs> off the bench?" BT Jarrett. What is that? That's a mm. large mustache on that man. That's I think Ohio State's best chance to run the ball. Well, they could bring out um, the beloved Ohio State quarterback Tate Martell for for some reason, and he can be the new JT Barrett by um, getting one yard on pretty much every down against Michigan, and then somehow winning the game. Listen, I'm not gonna let you disparage Vanilla Nice on this oh, podcast. Man. I made a graphic for that that I'll have to share sometime. I, I haven't told you about that, but I made a graphic for that that we will use as the header image for the podcast next season. <laughs> it's, it's in the stash. We got it ready. Do you think we see uh, Tate Martell in this game? Yeah, I think we see a lot of Vanilla Nice. I, I think we see far too much Vanilla Nice in this game. <laughs> what if Tate Martell scores the winning touchdown in this game? He can take my spot on the podcast. <laughs> Listen, he's he's going to take both of our spots on the podcast if he scores oh, the winning touchdown. A Tate solo podcast would get off the rails really quickly. <laughs> I feel like that may be a little problematic for yeah, for many yeah. reasons. Um, yeah. <laughs> staying with the offense, we, we talked a little bit about the passing game just through screens. A couple weeks ago, and I think maybe even in the Maryland game, we really hammered the point home of the receivers being able to step up and win one-on-one matchups on the outside. With what Michigan does up front and in their linebacker core, a lot of times those corners are left to their own devices. And I think that's, once again, we, we need to see that from the passing game. And one of the reasons I think that Ohio State was able to run the ball against Maryland is because you had Terry McLaurin, Johnny Dixon, and others making plays downfield for Dwayne Haskins. And I think they continue to... They have to continue to be able to, one, not only be unafraid to take those shots, but two, guys like McLaurin, guys like Dixon, Benjamin Victor are going to have to make plays for him if this offense is going to move the ball and help that running game. Because if they're not, then it goes back to what we're talking about with efficiency. It's hard for this offense to move the ball in this defense anyway, but if Michigan's just able to leave those guys on their own and shut down the deep passing game, then it becomes how are they going to move the ball at all? Yeah, and um, the the issue, because Michigan's defense is not all that different in scheme from what Ohio State does. They certainly are more willing to play zone because uh, Don Brown is not a child who, who only knows one thing. But um, the difference is that Michigan has some really, really good defensive backs. I mean, just this, this um, list of names is really impressive. You've got Tyree Kennel. Uh, Josh Metellus going down to like the cornerbacks, David Long, Lavert Hill, Brad Hawkins. You, you've got some really good players in this defensive backfield, and that's not great for Ohio State. And um, I, I can't remember the game that we said there would be a, a big test for Ohio State's receivers one-on-one. It might have been the Penn State game, and they, they did actually impress in that game. And who knows, maybe they'll step up here too, and they'll be able to do something against this defensive backfield. But these are some really good players. They're they're guys who have been good all season long, and um, it, you know you you look for weaknesses in this Michigan defense, and there really aren't a lot. Um, their their line is is really really good. Rashawn Gary is no matter what Ohio State fans try to convince themselves, he's really good. He's really good at football, um, and even without Chase Winovich, this line is really good. And the linebackers are probably the best in the country, I, I would say, with Khalid Hudson and. Devin Bush and you know even even a guy like Josh Ross who's really good they they've got a lot of talent at, at linebacker and they have a lot of talent all over the field and you'd think that the defensive backfield would be the weakness but it's it's not and um, I, I think it just comes down to Ohio State's receivers have to be getting open quickly and the line has to not get I mean just demolished the line has to hold up for like three seconds at least <laughs> and I, I don't know if they can do that I don't know if Dwayne Haskins will be comfortable enough back there to handle that it, it's it's not great it's it's kind of bleak looking at Ohio State's offense against Michigan's defense even knowing how good Ohio State's offense can be just because Michigan's defense like their offense is good at everything they're they're really good all around this is 
I, I think as true a, a hardball team as we've seen at Michigan. This is a lot like what his best teams at Stanford looked like. And they're just, he's, he's a good coach. He's really good at designing a football program that doesn't have a ton of weaknesses. They, they really don't have any glaring weaknesses on this team now that they have a quarterback. And it's not great for Ohio State because Ohio State is pretty much I mean, they're a team that is defined by their weaknesses at times. Ohio State is like the ultimate in volatile, being extremely good at some things like their efficiency on offense and like the passing attack at times and, you know, the defensive line, but then also being extremely weak in in other situations that can be taken advantage of and against a team like Michigan, that's really not an ideal setup. All right, final thoughts on this game. How do you see it playing out? Um, I've gone back and forth on this being a, a really close game because of the history and being a blowout because of the stats on the field and the way that these teams are playing. Um, I think that Ohio State does come out fired up. I think that they come out with the thought in the back of their mind that this might be Urban Meyer's last home game as the head coach at Ohio State. Um, I think that the players are pretty well aware that that's a possibility and I, I think that Ohio State does play one of their better games this season with that being said I think they lose by about 14 I, I, I've got this at um, let's say 38 27 they, they make it a little bit closer late but I, I think Michigan runs away with it emotion is so key in college football and we've seen lesser Michigan teams play Ohio State over the years very close, especially when they play at home in games that they just really have had no business being close in. And I think when you do look at the stats, this is one where Ohio State doesn't match up very well. And for a multitude of reasons, emotions will be high, not just what's on the line, but what could possibly happen to each program after this game and and what the ramifications are for both teams if they either win or lose this game. And this is just a position we haven't seen Ohio State been in, even past beyond the Urban Meyer era. We just haven't seen this in the Michigan game in a really, really long time. And to me, uh, emotion kind of defines this game, but Ohio State also can't just live off that emotion you brought up them coming out of the gate really strong, and I think we will see them come out of the gates really strong. And And I think that if they want to win, that's what they're going to have to do. This can't be a game where they slog around and the offense has to find two and a half quarters to, re- to really get it going like the Purdue game. This is one where first drive from the jump, they got to get points. They got to get seven. They have to instill that confidence early on that they're going to be able to not only move the ball against this defense, but score against them. I don't know if they can, but I feel like if they want to win, that's what they're going to have to do. I feel even in talking about how good Michigan is on defense, because they are, they're, they're one of the best. I feel like Ohio state can score some points on them. I, I feel like Dwayne Haskins in this passing game can step up and make plays when they need to and be able to not look awful against them. They, they're good enough to be able to make this a game. I'm just still worried about the defense. That's that's the thing that we talked about right from the top, that Michigan's coaches have had time to game plan for this game. They're smart. They're a very good game planning staff. They know how to attack the weaknesses of Ohio State's defense, and they know how to not only do that, but to layer it, to give them one look at the beginning of the game and then to make a wrinkle based off of that look and what Ohio State did afterwards. And that's what really concerns me about them because just on paper, talent-wise, this Ohio State defense should be able to limit Michigan. They're good enough to score, and Donovan Peoples-Jones is good enough outside to make plays, and Shea Patterson is good enough to make plays. But Ohio State's defense should be good enough to not get run over. And I think it, it goes back to what we've been saying all year. It's the coaching, and that's where this matchup defines this game, I think, for me, is the coaching, specifically Michigan's offense against Ohio State's defense, is that they are prepared and ready to show Ohio State not only different looks, but looks that they haven't shown all season. And I don't feel good at all about that in Ohio State trying to be able to stop that. And 
emotion can only take him so far because I think game planning is such an important part of not only college football, but this game in general with what's on the line. And that's where just Ohio State this season hasn't been up to par. And, And I do think that it'll be a very close game with how Ohio State gets ready for the Michigan game every year. I don't foresee them getting blown out with how much energy they put into it. But I I think that Michigan wins this one. It's going to be a close game. I could see this playing out a lot like 2016 where it's just very sloppy and both teams try to grind it out. But ultimately, Michigan wins something like 27 to 23. And we have a lot to discuss about the game and the future of the program after this one. Yeah, I, I do think we we, we mentioned after Wait, the, either either way, whether Ohio State wins or loses, yeah. I, I think that this is a game that is either going to be the end of an era or is going to define an era and maybe give us a little bit more hope going forward, depending on what Urban Meyer's status is. So either way, I mean, I think that this one is going to be a, a very defining game, not only for Ohio State. But for Michigan too, this is a this is a really huge game. Yeah, it is. I I think that really, regardless of result, there are going to be some things that happen in Ohio State's program, be it coaching based, whether it's the head coach or assistant coaches that are necessary. I, I think that Ohio State's program needs some changes right now, and I think even if they win this game, there will be changes, and if there are not, that's an issue, <laughs> and we'll certainly be here to talk about that and um you know there are there are a lot of things with ohio state's program right now that are not perfect and i think that that could really show in this game and you know we we both said that it would be close and i i think that you know there there is a chance that ohio state just gets crushed here that ohio state comes out flat they're not ready at all and they just get crushed and we saw maryland almost beat ohio state and michigan is significantly better at football than Maryland and they do a lot of the same things and it's it's just not a great it's not a great matchup for Ohio State and it'll certainly be we've mentioned before how every Ohio State loss feels like you know every Ohio State loss has to be like this huge referendum on the program essentially that you know, every loss is a blowout loss to a bad team. Every loss is a 31-point loss to Clemson. And I think that this will be another one of those, even if it's not a blowout, even if it's a, a close loss, you know, a, a messy slog to the end, like 2016, like you said. Um, I, I think that Ohio State losing to, to Michigan at this point in the two teams' trajectories uh, with Michigan, I mean, seemingly headed to the playoff if they win this game, and Ohio State uh, seemingly headed to the Rose Bowl against Washington State or, or even like the Peach Bowl against UCF and uh, quite a bit of talent leaving the program after this season, probably including the quarterback. Um, I think that that is something that is not <laughs> ideal for Ohio State, that Michigan is really, really trending up right now. and. Harbaugh has things working there, and Ohio State is talented, but really not taking advantage of that talent right now. I think Ohio State has really played down for the entire season, and it's silly to say that about a a ten win team. And you know, we we've said that all year, we've hedged all year on that, but this is not an Ohio State team that's played like they should be. You know, a ten win team. This is an Ohio State team that has skated by quite a bit, really since. September, you know, since the Tulane game, Ohio State has not really put together a full game against anyone that they played. And that's something where all of that has has been building up to this. And I, I think that that's kind of what will dictate the conversation after this game, win or loss, is that Ohio State spent the entire year with one of the most talented teams in school history um, looking like maybe a top 20 team, maybe a top 25 team. And that's not where they sh- where they should be with this talent and you know you see coaches like um you know Matt Campbell to throw out a name winning eight games with Iowa State's talent or seven games with Iowa State's talent beating West Virginia and you you see 
Luke Fickle winning 10 games with Cincinnati. And then you see Urban Meyer doing the same thing with five-star talent. And it's just, it's kind of concerning. <laughs> it's it's kind of concerning. And we'll certainly, we'll certainly talk about that in the post-game uh, podcast, regardless of what happens. Um, what we probably won't talk about in the post-game podcast, because we simply do not have the time to do a podcast about every basketball game, is that Ohio State's playing a basketball game this Friday. Um, and it's a pretty big, big deal. Is Do you think that that's fair to say that this basketball game on Friday is a pretty big deal? Yeah, I think for a couple of reasons. One, those jerseys. Ooh, baby. Oh, those, those are, are fire. fire. It's, hard, it's hard to mess up <laughs> cursive, and more teams should wear cursive, whether it's basketball yeah. or football. They're beautiful. And two, Ohio State's ranked, and they're playing at the St. John, man. It, it, this is yeah. this is nice. It's against Cleveland State, but you know, push that to the side and – with what we've seen from the basketball team so far, they're still growing. I don't think that they're a team that is going to make a play to win a Big Ten championship. It's still early in the season, but there's just a lot of things to really like about this team in this program right now, early on in the season. Yeah, they they definitely they had a a kind of gross win yesterday over Samford. They they had to. Uh, they had to battle it out a little bit. C.J. Jackson's been struggling over the last couple of games, but they're five and zero. They look really good, and um, I, I've never actually gotten to see an Ohio State basketball game in in St. John. That was a little bit before my time, um, and I, I have my tickets to this game. I'm very excited for it. I, I think it's going to be a really really cool environment, and I, I hope that people show up and they make noise. And anybody listening who's going to that game, I, I hope y'all stand up and are loud because. Um, people here care about St. John. It's a really, really good basketball arena, and I, I think that there is something that the crowd could prove at this game by being really into a game against a mid-major that Ohio State's probably going to win easily, and I, I think that they will be. I think it's going to be a really, really cool environment. Yeah, support the basketball program. They're, they're on the rise. If you haven't been keeping up with what Chris Holtman and his staff and these players are doing because they're still – so very young, and, and we're not in conference play yet. They're going to play Syracuse, I think, next week, next Wednesday. That'll be a big game. Uh, they're just a lot of fun to watch, and, and it's cool to watch them grow and, and watch this basketball program grow. So if you haven't jumped on the bandwagon yet, I think you need to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they're they're really fun. That's that's pretty much, I think, the best way to, to describe them. The expectations for the basketball program are not nearly as high as they are for the football program, and that... It's kind of like having a weight lifted when you get to just watch this team play and watch these guys grow together. And Chris Holtman is he's doing an excellent job at Ohio State. He has really done everything right in in terms of reaching out to former players, initiating those guys back into the program. I know Scooney Pan, I, I talked to him for a story and he's he's working in the program and doing things like this where they wear the throwback uniforms in St. John. It's it's all very cool to see. Ohio State's basketball tradition kind of appreciated and, and um, brought back into the light. And I think that Columbus really appreciates that. And Columbus loves a good basketball team. So certainly people should get out, support the basketball team, watch them play. They're they're very good. And I think that's that's a good way to, to describe them. You really needed this basketball season. I'm, I'm, yeah, ha- I'm yeah. happy for you that this basketball season <laughs> came around when it did. You needed it. Do we have anything else Ohio State-related game days? In town, do yeah, do we game not, day is in town. Do we not have a guest picker yet for Ohio State? Who would be your ideal guest picker? Um, I said on Twitter, not to get too far back into the basketball program, but I said on Twitter and in our Slack room that um, it's the 20th anniversary of um, Ohio State's Final Four run to uh, in the 1998-1999 season. And with the team playing at St. John again, it would be really cool to get uh, Scooney Penn and Michael Red, who were kind of the, the duo that led that team. It'd be really cool to get them as guest pickers. Um, I think Michael still lives in Ohio, and Scooney Penn is obviously on campus. Um, I doubt that that'll happen, but uh, that would be really cool. Chris Holtman would be really cool. Um, I've seen a couple people say Ryan Shazier. That would be awesome. Um, there are lots of good options. I, I really hope that the pick is not... Like uh, just some celebrity who happens to be from Ohio. <laughs> I hope it's Luke Fickle just campaigning oh, for the man. job <laughs> and talking about he would uh, just how he would immediately fire Greg Schiano and Bill Davis and then just let everybody beat up Bill Davis at midfield. Oh, uh, yeah. I feel like that would be in the pantheon of guest pickers. 
guest picker Luke Fickle campaigning for Ohio State's job. I'm I'm all in on that one. I think Luke Fickle might actually have something to do on Saturday. <laughs> Listen, he, he has more important matters at hand. I'm glad that Cincinnati's good, but him and Marcus Freeman, come on, come on yeah, down. Marcus Freeman, let's, come home. Let's have a chat, boys. <laughs> let's have a little chat. What uh, a- anything else? College football this week? Oklahoma, West Virginia. That that gets you going. I think Oklahoma's gonna kill them, but it, it might be entertaining for a little bit. I'm I'm not sold on West Virginia. Um, the Apple Cup should be fun. I'm still. We we said a couple weeks ago that we think Wazoo was gonna screw it up, and they haven't yet. I I do think that there's still time for them to screw it up, but that should be fun. Um, it's a really good slate of games as it always is for the, the Thanksgiving weekend. And, um, there's some good college basketball games too, with the different tournaments going on. I've been enjoying watching Bill Walton just travel through Hawaii (laughs) and the, the Maui, the invitational and, um, it's a good time for sports. It's, um, it's a good time this weekend to just chill out, watch some football, watch some basketball. Um, I did see on my Twitter timeline a couple minutes ago that uh, Purdue is looking at Butch Jones to replace Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom, of course, has not left yet, um, but Purdue is looking at Butch Jones. So they, they should not do that, I don't think. I think that would be a bad thing to do, but I don't know who cares. It's Purdue. <laughs> That's the definition of making peace with your God. Just Well, yeah. our head guy hasn't left. What if we hired Butch Jones? Yeah. yeah, coaching coaching season's about to be in full effect. I was talking to a, a friend of mine about this. As much as I love the actual games, and I still think that that's my favorite part, I really love this time of year for just the incredibly wild coaching rumors and coaching search stuff because it may be a little more quiet than it usually is, but there's some very intriguing names and intriguing jobs that possibly might pop up. USC still hasn't fired Clay Helton for some reason. Um, (laughs) Don't get there. (laughs) We'll see how that goes, but I, I feel like there's a lot of creative college football coaches in a lot of different places. Dino Babers from Syracuse is a guy that I I think can take a step up to a bigger job. Jeff Brahms obviously got those ties at Louisville, so we'll see what he does. But I'm here for uh, Colorado head coach Dino Babers. Let's let's make it happen, Rick George. Let's let's get it let's get it cracking. I think Dino Babers might be a candidate at a different school that you like. I, I won't <laughs> won't talk about that too much though. Um, yeah, it, I, I think that coaching season, like you said, I, I don't like it more than the games. I do like the games quite a bit, but I really like coaching season. It's it's fun. It's it's silly, um, and it, it's always it always gets a little bit weird, and it, it's fun to see new coaches getting hired and, and imagining the possibilities of new coaches getting hired. And uh, we'll, we'll certainly be around to talk about coaching season that may or may not involve Ohio State. I guess we'll just have to see. Um, but it, it should be a fun offseason and an offseason that has plenty of questions for an Ohio State team that really didn't do all that much this season. <laughs> My worst nightmare is that James Franklin takes that USC job and we're all like, ha, 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 ha. James Franklin's out and then Dino Babers takes the Penn State job. Oh, man. I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> and, and, and Greg Schiano's just looking at Babers' film like, huh, this will never work. Penn State could bring Greg Schiano home. I'm sure there are no um, bad things that happened while he was there or anything. No, that's we're let's campaign. Uh, guess yeah. what? Fan post on Black Shoe Diaries. Here's why Greg Schiano should be your next head coach. I'm sure that'll go over really well. We uh, they love fired. him there. <laughs> they love Greg Schiano there. Everybody loves Greg Schiano. It seems like I think uh, USC could hire Greg Schiano. We could see Colorado hire Greg Schiano. Who knows? Maybe Jim Harbaugh goes home back to the NFL, the Cleveland Browns, and Michigan hires Greg Schiano. I, I think that he's a great coach and. Whoever wants to hire him should do it. And, you know, I, I don't want to hog all the Greg. <laughs> they can have him. <laughs> Penn State head coach Jeff Fisher. Let's make <sighs> it happen. God. USC, what, what USC actually, without getting too much into a USC fan podcast here, they should hire Sean McVay, who's very, very good at coaching. Uh, they won't do it, but they should hire Sean McVay. <laughs> yeah, USC is, there, there's a lot to talk about that job. And to see that early names are Jeff Fisher and who who was the other NFL retread? I don't, I don't know. Jeb Bush, USC head coach Jeb Bush. You know what? <laughs> it kind of sounds like Jeb Bush. It was Jed Fish, I think. Ah, and, okay. That's former Michigan receivers coach Jed Fish. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. We, 
talking about Jed Fish v. Zach Smith. What a fun, what a time oh, to be man. alive. <laughs> right. Real combination of personalities there. <laughs> we're we're going to wrap up right, right this second. Yeah, before, before we say anything that gets us fired. <laughs> all right, before we wrap up here, I uh, want to thank you guys all season for listening to the podcast. We'll be around after the Michigan game and wherever Ohio State goes in the postseason. Make sure to follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Land Grant and Holy Land. Subscribe to the show and leave reviews. You guys have been phenomenal at doing that in the past month or so. Just want to shout out a couple people. Panama Zach, Jay Buck in Chicago, Craig from Central Ohio, even Jay Snide 45 who said that we both sounded like entitled brats. I wish yeah, I was an entitled true. brat. That would that would be very nice. Uh, okay, Dr. Jones has left us a couple of nice reviews. The Great Pollock and a few other people. We want to thank you guys, whether it's positive or negative, for leaving feedback to the show. Those, Some of those were from a couple weeks ago, and I just wanted to shout them out and say that, that we really appreciated it. There was, I think it was one of those guys even gave us five stars and said, I don't agree with everything they say. So shout out to you. We appreciate you guys listening to the show, following along, and interacting with us, even if you don't like what we say. And also give us a follow on Twitter, at HolyLandPod. We hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving, by the way, and enjoy spending all this uh, this time with your friends and your family this weekend and anybody else in your life that you care about. And we're glad that we could be a part of it and you could take some time and listen to us before this Michigan game, which should be, I don't know. I don't know. It's gonna, it's gonna Watch, happen. Watchable football. <laughs> this game is going to happen, and if they win, we'll just forget that we said all this and per, and say that uh, I'll go back and edit all of this and have it where we're like, yeah, Ohio State wins, thirty to twenty-seven. Nothing's yeah. wrong. They deserve well, we'll, to make the playoff. <laughs> we'll do the Urban Meyer post-game press conference thing. If they win, well, we'll say, well, a lot of things happened. Obviously, uh, some of them good, <laughs> some of them bad. And then we'll end the episode. (laughs) Wow, that was good. A lot of things went right, just like we predicted. All right, bye, everybody. Uh, But we will catch you after the Ohio State-Michigan game with what I'm sure is to be a lengthy recap pod on that. But once again, three hours long. Anti-Greg Schiano. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll get into our anti-Greg Schiano bad, I'm sure, whether it's a win or a loss. But we will catch you then. And we hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. But for Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. This has been the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks.